Welcome to REIP Insights, a podcast that brings you the latest update on what is happening in the real estate market across Australia, as well as conversations with dynamic leaders sharing their insights and knowledge. They say leadership is lonely. However, it also requires enormous courage, resilience and bravery. In this leadership podcast, we bring you conversations with dynamic, successful leaders who are walking the leadership path. They share their stories, habits, and what drives them to be better leaders. This podcast is brought to you by REIP. We are a collective of industry leaders committed to empowering our industry and our clients. Maria and Manos Findakakis are the powerhouse couple in real estate. They are the founders of the eView brand, which has gone from strength to strength across Australia. In this podcast, they share more about the model, how it has evolved, and their goals for the next five years. Manos and Maria also share how leadership is changing with the impact of remote work and COVID-19. Both of them actually left Australia during COVID and spent six months in Greece, The end result was realising how set up they were to run their business remotely, but also be able to enable their teams to do the same. They now have a global team in place in Australia, Greece and in Sweden. Maria and Manos have a wonderful and romantic story on how they met, fell in love and married when they were very young. And they also share a health incident that saw Maria driving Manos on dirt roads in a Prius at 148 kilometers an hour. You'll need to listen to the podcast to know why. Please enjoy my conversation with two wonderful humans, Manos and Maria Findakakis. Hello and welcome to REIP Leadership Insights. My name is Sadna Smiles. I'm your host and my guests today are two beautiful people, Maria and Menos Findakakis, founders of eView Real Estate. Now, for me, these two are the power couple who are constantly innovating and challenging the current paradigm. They have changed the eView model several times, which we will talk about. And both of them have a wealth of experience, not just in real estate, but out from outside of real estate as well. So welcome, both of you. Good to be here. Good to be here. And thank you for having us, Sarah. Yes. So I want to paint a picture picture first for our listeners about who you two are. Maria, I'm going to start with you first, because you were born in Greece. Yes, I was. And then you met this Aussie bloke mm-hmm. and you ended up in Australia. There has to be a story behind that. Share us, with us that story. There is a story. There's a story. Actually, Arthur Proyos, our business partner, mm. and Manos were backpacking around Europe in 86. I met them. Arthur's got a funny story, doesn't he? But it sounds funnier when he says it. But he says, oh, you know, can you imagine the dilemma when she met us both at the same time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I met the guys in 86. I was 17, actually, just I was, 17. I was going to ask how old you yeah, were. Yeah, I was 17. Menos and Arthur uh, just were 21. 21. Um, and, yeah, the rest is mystery. We sort of... Yeah, we, we sort of hooked up pretty much straight away, told my parents. My parents were not very impressed because obviously, you know, I was young and Australia is the other side of the world. Um, I couldn't speak English uh, very much. Um, Menos's Greek was uh, little, so... It was poor. But we got but along we, really well. <laughs> we, we got engaged within three weeks. We did. No yeah. way. And we yeah. did the islands. We're implementers. We, we had... We <laughs> We had a really good time and then I had to finish high school. So my mum said, okay, you can go, but you have to finish high school first. So I had one more year of high school. 
I did that and then a year later I came. So you had a long distance relationship for a year? Yeah. I over at Christmas on the school holidays. It sounds so terrible, doesn't it? But anyway, uh, for about 20 days because Greece's school year is September to June. So Christmas holidays, we've got 20 days off. So I popped over, came over for the first time and I, I'll be honest, I wasn't sure when I left, I wasn't sure if I was going to come back. It really dawned on me at the age of, you know, 18. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, it's a long, long way away yeah. from my family. Yeah. But obviously, you know, I missed him and, um, you know. You were worth it. <laughs> no, came back. Best decision I've ever made. Uh, we've got two homes now. We've, we've got our home, as you know, we were planning the conference in Creek this year. Yes. Uh, which you were going to come to, but hopefully in another couple yeah. of years' time we can do that. We've got our home in Greece and we've got our family there and we've got our home here and our family mm. here and we feel really mm. blessed, really. And, and I love the way um, I love the way you you have both kept the connection to back home. I mean, I'm a migrant to this country yes. as well, and it is so important to keep those connections. In fact, you've got people who work for you there now, don't you? Yes. We do. We've yes. got a team of five in Crete, the island of Crete, which yes. is where our house is. And I know a lot of people outsource from the Philippines and different areas, which is great. And I said to Manus, we've got so much talent in Greece that mm. it actually, you know the kids go overseas mm. to England and Europe to actually find work, um, why don't we outsource to Greece? It's a little bit more difficult because the time, time zone. is longer. Uh, so nine hours difference, but we make it work. And yeah. it's really good. They're yeah. a great, um, great resource. Yeah. And, and man, I was just going back to the whole um, getting married young. What did your parents say? You've gone away. You're backpacking with your best mate. You meet mm. this beautiful young girl. You get engaged in three weeks yeah. and then you come back home. I mean, what did your parents have to say about that? Well, my parents were in shock. They were yeah, in total shock. They, my, my father got on the phone to Maria's father and go, mate, this is, you need this, to split this, up. is this, you know, yeah. where is he going to take the girl? She's too young. They're both young. What are they thinking? So, look, of course, we, we, did, we, we didn't listen. We didn't really listen. So, yeah, it worked out really well. Uh, it's a beautiful story and I'm so glad. Thank you for sharing that because you're right. I mean, you look at you two today and I... You know, I've known you both for a while and you seriously are still a couple very much in love and it is wonderful to see that it started when you were so young. So well done. Thank you. Thank you. Manas, you've had a career before real estate, uh -huh. um, which I think is a huge asset to what you bring to the table today in your current business. But share with us what you did before Maria convinced you to come into the dark side of, of, of the world yeah, as such. So as soon as we got back, as soon as we got married, came back to Australia, we got into hospitality. So uh, with myself and Arthur, our, our business partner, got into coffee lounges and then moved into uh, takeaway foods, being fish and chips. And we started, uh, we commenced the first chain of fish and chip shops in, um, in Melbourne. Uh, we built that business over a period of, of 13 years to uh, seven stores, had 200 uh, staff so all at the age of 15 to 18. So you can imagine the hormone levels we had to deal with <laughs> at, that, at that time. Hey, and when we jumped into real estate, they were easy. <laughs> but anyway, so I was very heavily committed to the family business being, you know, hospitality and very financially committed to it as well. But uh, mm. then Maria... Uh, obviously found real, found real estate and I, I and guess I loved it absolutely. straight away and real well, estate loved you too. I, I love mm. the freedom because I had my kids were young so George yeah. was seven and Costa was five uh, when I started uh, my first gig was in Malawiza with MPRE Mornington Peninsula Real Estate then 
And um, I absolutely love the flexibility that it gave me as a mum, you know, because I was used to this open care operation. And whoever's done hospitality knows that you're, you know, you are stuck yeah. uh, behind, you know, you open up at eight in the morning and then you close at 10 o'clock at night and they're your hours or, you know, you, you, you sort of don't have flexibility. So um, I love the flexibility that it gave me with my kids, you know, to be able to drop them off at school. I was really blessed because my directors gave me, um, you know, the, 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 the flexibility. flexibility to work mm. from home, pick up the kids and do my appointments of the evening. But that was the first time that I worked for someone else in my life. Like I, I had a small yes. yeah, job when I was yes. overseas while I was at high school. I was working for a clothing store. So I was working for someone else. But since I've been to Australia, we always had our own businesses, you know, and I yeah. did a couple of things on my own mm. apart from the fish and chips. We've always worked for ourselves. And this is the first time that I ever worked for someone. And it was mm. a really interesting um, year and a half. Yeah. So that's how long I lasted, a year and a half. And then I went out and um, uh, spoke to uh, uh, Brent and Steve Oates at the time, which you know very well. Yes. And um, yeah, I said to Manos, I think we'll be really good together in real estate. I think we can open up an office. We've got business experience. We don't have real estate experience. But I feel if you join me, you'll be able to do all of the business stuff and I can list and sell property and it'll be really good. So um, I won't go through the whole story, but he made it very difficult for me. <laughs> Uh, put all these rules and if you get this and this and this and this and this anyway I was able to meet all those conditions and I remember the guys giving us the opportunity which we're very grateful for mm. at Beach Street so we had like a satellite office part of the Frankston sort of area and uh, yeah Menos came across kicking and screaming as he, he likes to uh, the, the actual date um, started was April the 13th 2003 so yeah, that's yeah. when it started that's when the phone call came in I was obviously at our hospitality stores and the phone call came in it was three o'clock in the afternoon he goes honey we just bought a real estate business yeah. and i'm just going you've got to be freaking kidding me <laughs> but i came into a kicking and screaming but as as uh, maria mentioned i think that experience um oh. coming into and you real said estate, it even before mm. you know bringing across all your business experience into mm. real estate was yeah. phenomenal and i yeah. think that's where we and I think Mano's not actually going on the tools straight away, listing and selling and just sitting in the background and doing all of the systems and, and looking at the industry sort of from a different point of view, we were able to really come up with, you know, Mano's yeah. came mm. up with the idea of, of what he is today. Yeah. And so mm. at what point did you then go, you know, this is a, a model and the e-view model mm -hmm. at, at how long Manos did it take you to evolve from what you were doing? Yeah. Um, in Beach Street to going, you know, th there is a better way to do this. Well, obviously, when we first started, we had an enormously steep learning curve. So as soon as we started the operation and we launched um, our first office, the Greenfield side as well, so it wasn't an established um, agency, uh, 1st of July 2003, we held that operation for 30 months. In those 30 months, we just learned what we had to learn very, very quickly to get market share. We didn't start property management straight away, so we just focused on sales. So we ended up selling 530-odd homes in 30 months. So we mm. quickly got a 50% market share, just under 50% within our, our first 12 our months. Our patch was on 7,000 homes. But mm. if you remember the old rules, we couldn't list and sell outside, outside. the territory. So mm. that sort of blocked us. 
we yeah. couldn't really grow anymore but, with that system. But that was probably a good thing because mm. we learned how to really generate momentum yeah. and actually get market share mm. in a really concentrated uh, yeah. period. So we three years um, into that business, we had reached capacity uh, for it and there was a bit of a light bulb moment when I turned up to a bunning store um, uh, one Sunday morning and I, I, I saw a gym's test and tag pull up next to me and I went far out. I just saw what uh, obviously gyms was doing in that sort of space. I said, you know what, that's what's something that should be done in real estate. And technology was slowly catching up as well to allow the opportunity of what we are obviously now call under EV Group and the multi-brand um, that we evolved to. So we took a year off, we sold that business, we took a year off and started investigating how we can actually build a, a different model. I use numbers all the time, Sarden, if anyone knows me, I always work the numbers and make sure that the numbers work for us. And we built the model mm. uh, based on, you know, where- It where took us a long time. Oh, we're, a when long. we actually sold the business and we took it that whole year, we actually were not sure 100% no. what it's going to look like or what, what are we going to do? And if we're going to go mm. back into that sort of, yeah. Into that but space. Was, yeah, it was but, interesting. Yeah, but the multi, so obviously that was back in 2000, we started uh, EVU in uh, late 2006 mm. and 2007, so fast forward 14 years, our multi-brand, so people know us now for being Australia's first multi-brand real estate network, really didn't um, get launched until five years ago. So we were the traditional real estate model and uh, we obviously engaged with our agents similarly to, to the the, the majority of the of the marketplace just with higher splits though. with higher splits yeah. and then we just really research where leads were coming from how the um, vendors were interacting with the agencies and brands and obviously agents and by really pulling it all apart we, we found a niche in the marketplace so you know what we really got to focus our frontline customers are our agents and our property managers and we've always believed that from the very beginning and we had a model vehicle, i.e. the, the EVU group, and we, we trained the drivers to drive that vehicle as fast as they could, far, left, right, forward, as long as I didn't drive it backwards. But we always felt there was a missing piece in that. And that, that is where the agents really needed to, to choose their own colour vehicle and personalise a number plate. So that's how the EVU model really evolved into a multi-brand real estate mm -hmm. network. And, what we've seen then is obviously enabling um, leaders and uh, great agents to take control of their business and really amplify and leverage their brand, their, 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 their own name out there in the marketplace to generate more leads. And of course, provide all the back-end administration. We're saying that, you know, that, that's, that's the worst thing that we can actually yeah. do in real estate is just focus on the, on the, on the back-end administration and business owners' biggest frustration. So we centralised all the administration services and then obviously using the economies of scale could obviously mm. flow that into um, our business owners. I think, so what you, I think what you're doing is really clever. I, I actually do believe it's the future of our industry. Um, it, it may not be for everybody, but I, I do believe that at some point more and more brands are going to move towards that model. So basically, if I understand it right from the outside looking in, is I can keep my own brand if I had South the Smiles Real Estate. Yes. I can join your group, your network, um, but all of my back end gets managed by your team and all I have to do is focus on listing, selling and leasing. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and, so, and, and that's allowed you to grow, hasn't it? Because you've now yeah. got sites all over the country. Mm. Yeah, we do. We yes. Do. We're in Queensland, New South Wales, a couple in Perth and in Adelaide. Not in Tasmania yet. 
Not yeah, in Tasmania. Tasmanians listening. The team is just over 300 uh, people, about 340 um, all up, uh, spread across 57 um, branded uh, offices. And obviously the majority of them here in Victoria, because yes. that's where we started. Yeah. Yeah. But our focus is, and I think if you, you touch on the important point because there's a shift in um, the marketplace. And I predicted it some time ago. I think there's going to be two models out there. So one is what we what we call the effective business unit, where you have a lead agent with a support team around them connected to a corporate entity to provide some real essential back-end services while they focus on really leveraging their brand. Because we know that's probably the lowest cost and the highest profit mm. um, model. Um, and the most sustainable. Yeah. We believe the middle part, which is 80% of the industry at the moment, where it's the you know the single operator, you know, small rent roll of 100, 150, turning over staff, doing the majority of the listings, managing the team, all the support services. I think that's where the struggle is. And then again, I think we're also going to see the super offices where you've got high performance teams, but really huge offices, you know, 20, 30, 40 um, agents. And I think that's that's where we're gonna see a split in the marketplace where that middle ground, one's gonna be moving, migrating, and we're probably already seeing it now where we're seeing mergers of small operations into larger, larger, more effective um, teams. And again, a split to the smaller uh, models as well. Yeah, and I, and I think COVID has probably brought that positioning fast. a lot closer yeah. it's fast it's mm. fast it's going to fast track it yeah. you you both have a high profile around the leadership and culture piece and I, and I do want to touch on that um what are some of the fundamentals for both of you for high performance cultures because I know that a, you do a lot of work in your own businesses around that so so share with us a little bit around that yeah I think for us it's just um how interested we are in our people mm. that's what creates a good culture for me you know it's not our people every single one of them from our administration to our highest performer agent it's not just the number we still meet almost every single person that we put on mm. um uh, you know probably 95 percent of them we meet them before we put them on manos and i which is you know which is quite a big task at the yeah. moment so um, we, we're really interested in them, in their lives. What do they want to achieve and how can we help them achieve that? Um, everyone is an individual. There's not one size fits all. Um, everyone's life is different. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's our biggest, um, yeah. uh, you know, tickets, really finding out what our people want and trying to help them achieve oh, that. There's a couple of, yeah, there's a couple of sayings that we, we were sort of saying is everything falls into place when you truly know what you want. So yeah. really uncovering, because mm. a lot of people come into business or into real estate and they don't really know what well, they want. And we try that. and obviously yeah. uncover And we, we have a personal motto. We, you know, our, our motto is, uh, our mantra, I should say, is to, to help agents and leaders create fun and profitable businesses so they can live an extraordinary life. And we'd like to think we live up to that brochure mm. of achieving that. Um, as we mentioned earlier, our clients, our frontline clients are our agents and our property managers and our team. They're our customers first. And then if we do a great job with them and they've got the right mindset. So high performance to us isn't about how many sales you do. Yeah. It's about how you treat each one of your clients. And we always find we're in the interview room. One of the big questions we say is, Give us a customer experience. What is that you love about your customer uh, journey and experience? And as soon as they highlight what they do with their customers, we get a pretty good feel. If they're really good with their clients, 
and be they're, the they're going to be great with the team. Mm. So one fixes the, the which is yeah. much important when you grow in an organisation, the culture really is all the team members yeah. that you bring in. And I'm not saying we always get it right. I love Bradley Brown from Fletcher's and he had, he had a, pure, a beautiful um, acronym, pure. pure. Previously undetected recruitment errors. Have you heard of that? Have you heard him say about that? Yes, I have. And of course, of course that happens, but the good thing is your team, if you bring the the right people, pushes them out. And they actually leave of their own accord. They go, actually, they're too, you know, you know, too. I don't know, family orientated or two, um, you know. It is family. It is. For very, us, it very is family. family. Hmm. That's exactly. Um, I'm not even, you know. Yeah, we don't hide behind hide that. Hide behind fact. that. Um, you know, it's it, it is. But a lot of people think it's the maybe the functions and the parties and the awards and the pizza nights and yes, we do all of that. But I think if there's no um, like honestly caring about yeah. your people behind all of that, like really honestly feeling and caring about your people. Mm. It's just all, all, the rest and, of it is just a facade. It's- and people know that, right? If you yeah, don't yeah. genuinely care about that, they'll sniff you out. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's just the way it is. But I love the fact that you focus on the client experience because that then will drive the numbers and the KPIs and yeah. the success of a business yeah. anyway, right? Yeah. What about in terms of leadership? What What advice would you give emerging leaders today? Yeah, uh, in, in regard, first of all, sitting down with finding out what everyone's goals are. Okay. So, for example, one of our big things that we do is financial discipline. Okay. So, for us, it's as we mentioned, measuring GCI on the board is not the big or you know, the, the be all or end all. It's very, very important from a sales agent point of view, but also helping them get financially uh, disciplined so that they can actually manage their money and obviously do what they want to do with their family. And one of the big things that we obviously uh, encourage all our team, one of the big things that we get back is them paying off their home. Mm. I I have a saying, get your house in order, right? For the right reasons, not the wrong reasons. Always have your house in order because if you have your house in order from a financial, personal um, and physical point of view, everything else falls into place. Because I think in, in real estate, that's probably the most important for you to be a really good performer out there in the field. You can't be distracted by a whole bunch of stuff in the background. And whether it's personal, whether it's financial, whether it's like physical, you get those three in order, that's going to really help you uh, and your career um, in real estate and the way you behave. So from a leadership point of view, that's what we aspire. And then identifying um, the leaders within our business. So our job as leaders really is to amplify, to be amplifiers of other leaders yeah. and, and picking out, and not everyone wants to be a leader. So mm. I'll, I'll, share, I'll share a story from an administration point of view. I remember sitting down with one of our high-performing administrators and she's uh, involved in our trust accounting side of things and contracts and dealing. And she was young uh, when she started with us and she's been with us for, for seven odd years and, you know, a couple of years into her career, we sat down and I said, can you imagine, you know, stepping up to the plate and having a team around you and managing all these people and da-da-da and really growing the department and all that? And that was the last thing she ever wanted to do. Yes. <laughs> right? So listening to your team and really identifying. It's finding out what they want. Yeah. You know? and, and sometimes if they don't know what they want, it helps yeah. them to find out what yeah. it is that they want. Yeah. yeah. I like that. So what I- what? What has been your most challenging leadership moment? Because we always talk about the good stuff in leadership. Mm. So what, what can, and we always face challenges. What has been your most challenging leadership moment? Oh, that, you can, that you can talk about. 
Rejection. Oh, you're all right. Exactly. <laughs> Rejection. Uh, look, I always say it. Um, when we came into real estate, I'll, I'll, and you'll, you'll get a good understanding from this, I remember getting on the tools with Maria, forming an EBU and becoming, and we were selling 100 homes a year. So mm -hmm. we got really good at what we were doing. Um, small office boutique. And as a, as, a, as a husband and wife team in the lounge room, Maria was the vendor manager. I was the, the buyer oh, manager. Okay. We automatically sort of, you know, built into that sort of um, uh, that team. But I remember going into a listing presentation one time and we thought these people were going to name their kids after us. They loved us that much. Do you know what I mean? And, of course... I we used to talk about it. But I, I think it's important in regards to understanding what you have to go through in real estate. Uh -huh. um, and I remember losing the listing. They gave it to someone else. I couldn't believe that they gave it to us. I said, you've got to be kidding me. And I went, I had to go home for three days. No, I sent him home. Yeah, she sent me home. Mm. Yeah, so, the energy in the office. So if you're not going to be upbeat and if you're still going to be going on and on about it, I said, go home. Yeah. That's it. Not that, having it in here. But I think you're pretty good with that. Oh, no, we're fat. We, we have to be pretty good. We couldn't have grown the organisation to I, the size we are I feel today if you don't yeah, overcome those challenges. But it's good to understand that your people will go through that. Yes. I, said, I think having been mm. through it, you know, to be able to say to them, you know what, it's going to be okay. You're going to miss out on some business you might not want i mean this one yes. we had a conversation in our sales meeting uh with a couple of our agents and you know maybe a business last week that would have been good for them to walk away from that vendor mm -hmm. because you know the type of person that they are sometimes you need to learn to walk away from that i was never like really worried about walking away from businesses because i'm thinking well how much time is this is this vendor going to take off and and how is it is it going to affect my psychic and and how is that going to affect the rest of my vendors so you've mm. got to look at it like that you've yeah. got to be not scared to walk away from mm. from some business but mm. yeah. but i think uh, look if you really get down to the um to the to, to the the pointy end you absolutely got to love what you do mm, you've yeah. got to believe in the light at the end of the tunnel you've got to have delayed gratification uh, and you've got to understand there's always going to be storms in your journey entrepreneurship might sound glamorous to, to a lot of people in business ownership but really deep down, it's a really tough gig. Yeah. It's a tough gig. And you've got to understand you to that the, you have to Otherwise love it. Otherwise, you'll be the crazy. Point. Yeah. Um, and to have that delayed gratification um, and, you know, obviously to push, pitch, uh, to push through the, the, the tough times, understanding that the, the good times are always just around the corner mm. as well. Yeah. And, and I have to say, I mean, you, you two have such good energy working together. And, I, you know, I've, as I said, I've, I've known you two for a while. I've watched you grow your business, um, spent time with both of you. And you genuinely, I mean, even just in this interview, your energy is jumping off the screen. And I'm sure people will be able to hear it um, on the audio as well. How do you both manage to do that, work together and live together? What are some of the rules that you have for yourselves as a couple oh god we don't have any rules no it's just i think one rule is communication that's yeah. it like yeah. really be honest i don't understand to this day how people think that the other person can guess what they want or feeling mm. and that's for any relationship the relationship with kids with the relationship with your husband the relationship with your clients the relationship with our business partners i think the three of us because we've got to put our things to this arthur's been an instrumental mm. business partner throughout like he is our rock yeah, isn't he no he is unwavering he's always here for the team we fly around we go everywhere and we, we we keep busy but arthur is always here he's always the person that people go to so the three of us are very different 
Um, us at home, we definitely talk business all the time. You do. Our kids are, yes, our kids are, but we love our business. And yeah. we don't separate business and life. You know, we no. don't really understand. And thank God we're on the same wavelength. Um, you know, we don't understand how people say, oh, you know, uh, five o'clock, I switch off and whatever. Well, sometimes we do, but sometimes we, we talk about mm. it. It's just life. It's not business and home. It's just, it's our life. Yeah. yeah. We, we've integrated it into everything that oh. we do. Our kids work with us. So, you know, we're sitting around the table and we've got Costa in the mm. room. We've got George and Emma, George's girlfriend is working for George now. They're doing social media together. So it's always going to come up at we, night. We kicked out Costa, but he sits over there. Yeah. <laughs> so us. it's always going to come up. So, you know, you just, I think communication, going mm. back to your first question, is just letting people know when you want a break or letting people know what it is that you're feeling or you're mm. thinking um, and just really communicating constantly, yeah. you know. But, but definitely having a clear goals part oh, and what yeah, you that's, want. That's yeah. it. I think that's, again, a no, lot of people, no, uh, we, no, for us it's a, it's, a, it's a given, but so many people that I speak to actually don't know what they want. Mm. So I'll go back to my original mm. statement. Everything falls to place into what place you know. when you know exactly what you want. Mm. Um to, not to the minutest detail, but generally speaking, what you want out of life, how you want to live with it. Like like we always say, we want to live six months in Greece, six months um, in well, Australia. Now. Yeah. Now. Um, and and we have, changes you. Yeah, absolutely. But that's our, our short to medium time uh, goal uh, to do that. But we're on the same page for it. Yeah. And yeah. what does it look like? Well, we need to have a house over there. What is it we need here? We need to have a great team around us. So, once you know what you want, you start building the framework mm. to achieve what you want. Mm. And if you're on the same path. Mm. We've never always been on the same path. Oh, no. Yeah. So you have conversations and you have, you know, plates thrown. At, no. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want people to think, oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's it's real. Yeah. It's life. And you've got to talk it out and you've got to discuss, you know, the positives and the negatives and which way you want to go. And, and Oh, there's heated debates in our family. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there is. I'm, I think I think most most good strong families yeah. have have heated when debates. Start, when there. I start speaking to them in Greek and I go oh. pointing the fingers, everyone knows what's happening. It's like, oh, mum starts speaking in Greek, it's all over. I do the same. I do the same thing. I do the same thing. You know, the finger comes out yeah, and the kids just go to your to your native to your you know length. Yeah. Once, I swear a lot in, in Hindi. I swear a lot because then most people don't know what I'm yeah. saying, you know, which I get away with it. Now, Manas, you had a health scare a couple of yes. years ago. You were in Greece and uh-huh. Maria's told me this story and, and it, this poor girl went through hell in that period yeah. of time. What happened? Yeah, so we were at our home and uh, it was um, the 17th of the 7th, 2018. So it was the, the 27th of July. Um, in uh, 2018. Mm. So, yeah, oh, we, we were just at our holiday home. We had just arrived there probably two weeks into into our holiday, expecting my twin brother to come over as well. Mm. Um, I was just kids doing... Were kids were there. All their kids were there as well and some of their friends as well and cousins. Uh, I was just doing some gardening one day, went out to dinner, got home, hopped in the shower, came out of the shower. It was about 1 o'clock in the morning and I felt a sensation and... It was just a real funny sensation, and I will share the story because I have shared it with a few people and it has helped other people to actually get checked up and stuff like that. So we're in our village of Yerani, which is uh, uh, in an island of Crete, 
um, about 15 k's out of the main centre, 18 k's. Which and I did in seven minutes, mind you. Here, so. <laughs> um, in a little Prius. A Prius. Oh. So it was about one o'clock in the morning. I was getting some sensations from both my arms, but just like a, a tingling sensation. It wasn't anything painful or anything like that, but it wasn't going away. And I did say to Maria, I said, Maria, I'm getting these sensations up and down both arms. So I started Googling. Um, Maria started Googling. She goes, maybe we should go to the doctors. And you've got to be kidding me. I said, it's only a tingle. I said straight away. Yeah, yeah. she did. You, you, yeah, but anyway. And, I, and probably the most important thing is in this, is be, be proactive and actually get to the hospital. Don't wait. Don't wait. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're be better safe than sorry. Anyway, uh, cut a long story short, three hours passed. I couldn't go to sleep. Um, just I was totally awake. At one point, I did lie down on the bed, and when I did lie down the bed, on the bed, I, I felt a really heavy pressure on my chest, on my chest, and I got up straight away and I said, "Maria, I think we better go to the hospital. I think you're right. We better go to the hospital." And as I stood up, then that's when the pain kicked in. I said, "Yeah, oh, there's no time there's for no... anything." Like I grabbed him, shoved him in the car. We didn't even work up. The kids yeah. that were downstairs, and uh, we just drove to hospital. You know, and Maria was, was doing 148. Uh, 148 in the in a Prius, Lord, and, Lord. dirt roads, locking them up. It was just locking up. It was it was it was pretty scary. I was screaming at her, going, "Can you please go faster?" No, oh, it was down to the floor, overtaking. But it was like four o'clock in the morning. But I was very fortunate. We went to um, the hospital, um, and uh, they obviously looked after us. They got us, you know, the you know all the stuff that they had to do and they operated on me straight away to put in a couple of stands. So I had 100% blockage in one of my art, the main artery yeah. at the front of the heart. He did, I was kind of complaining to the surgeon as well, sort of saying, how long am I going to be in hospital for now? And yeah. he goes, probably six or seven days. Yeah. And that's the thing with heart attack. It doesn't give you any warnings. No. You mm. feel sick. Menos was active. He's still active. Like yeah. we, he walks a lot every day, so you never really felt no. any symptoms before that, out of breath or anything like that. It's never, like it just never, sort of, no. Something happened. Blood pressure. No, no previous symptoms. No, no hereditary. No medication. No medication. Nothing. Nothing. I, I, so it can be a very sudden thing. So yeah. I, I, I think people just need to act. Pretty very much quickly. straight away when it comes to, to, to heart. Well, I'm very glad you're here and I'm glad you drove the 148 yeah, kilometres yeah. an hour on, yeah, in a little I Prius. <laughs> I don't know what would have been scarier, man. I was having the heart attack or having her driving that fast. Uh, I, 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 I just told me to drive faster. faster. I was yeah. like, go, go. I was just the first really... time ever in his life. I was wrapped, and Maria's a bit of a lead foot anyway. Yes. So, geez, I'm, I'm... I'm not. Just, she's a lead foot. So I'm a very safe driver. Thank yeah, you absolutely. And uh, no, she got us there and, uh, you know, obviously pretty scary times. It's interesting but... what happened afterwards though, because like we were in hospital in Menos, we wanted to do the gorge, you know, uh, that year with his brother. The Samarian gorge. Samarian gorge in Crete. It's a 24K hike, you know, and it's quite challenging. We've done it many, many times. And he said to me, ask the nurse if I'm going to be able to do that in a few weeks' time. And George, I don't think he actually understood the severity the and the yeah. seriousness of what yeah. was happening. Yeah. And the nurse is like, no, Mr. Kimbikai, because you're not going to do the gorge this year. Uh, but I think it's interesting what happened afterwards. We came back and I think a lot of people maybe thought, and it, it could mm. be different for everyone, but this is what it was for us. We've always been very grateful people. Like every day we wake up, we're both very spiritual, we've got our, you know, a religion. We're very grateful about everything, you know, our lives, each other, our kids, our health. 
Um, so, but it just gave us a different sense of gratefulness. You know, mm. like every morning that you wake up, you go, okay, I'm here. Thank you. Yeah, for thank day. you. you no, know, yeah. it just gave us a different. And some people thought, well, are you going to stop now? What are you going to do? Are you going to retire? So you've well, been well, that, I was going to Everyone had an opinion. Everyone had an opinion. Yeah, you're too, too stressed. Too stressed, too this, too that. I said, you know, we're just no. getting started and yeah. We, yeah. we went even harder. So, but we don't look, we, we never look at it as working too much or working too little. We've always just loved what we do and so long as you love what you do. And I have a saying, um, the most important thing is... Uh, to uh, work with the right people. people. And what you do, then how much and money you, you make. love what yes. you do, then yeah. what, how much, then how much money, money you make. It goes yeah. like that. It's it goes same. like that. You know yeah. That. Yeah. yeah, Greece has been your go-to place. Now, when COVID hit last year, mm. you guys left on, I think it was the last flight out of Melbourne to, to go back to your other home. Yes. Um, and, and, I'm, and I love this because you, no one knew, even I didn't know, there was nothing on Facebook, social media. You were very quiet, mm. um, but you were able to run your business. Well, you were there for three, four months. Um it's- Six months. So you were there for six months. Mm. You were able to run your business. Now, let's, I want to dig into this a little bit because mm. I think this whole world that we're moving into where we are looking at creating hybrid workplaces and the ability to have that flexibility, how is that working out for you guys? And what were the, some of the lessons that you learned? You know, you, you packed up and you left for six months. What were some of the lessons that you learned in that time that you were going to look at implementing moving forward? First of all, we didn't know that we were going to be gone for six months. We left for six weeks. So then, you know, I don't know if we knew that it was going to be a six-month holiday that we would ever actually do that because we didn't want obviously to leave our people here and Arthur to run everything. Mm. But we were prepared before then, but we didn't really know. You didn't know. We we, we just realised when we were over there, oh, my God, we are actually ready for this, you Mm. know. All of our admin team was working from home anyway before Mm -hmm. we left because we had the previous lockdown, remember? Mm -hmm. The first time Mm -hmm. like a stage three. So we already had everyone set up to work from home. Uh, Zoom meetings, everyone was doing them at the time. I remember you going online, you know, saying how many Zoom meetings we're having with our team. So we were prepared. When we got there, we really didn't have to do And we had our team in Greece. So we were able to spend time with them and actually put the systems in place to get them more efficient um, so that was a really good thing. It worked out really well, and we didn't. I think I think the real estate industry didn't realise how prepared. virtual and prepared it really we, was. We like even pre-COVID nineteen, obviously yeah. we've expanded across Australia, so that required us to be virtual, we to ready. have Zoom, to have all those systems in place. Probably the next step for us was obviously moving our whole administration team instead of having a central place to to locate to, being uh, our corporate offices here in Cheltenham and uh, in Frankston. Um, to actually work from home. So that was our only real shift that we, we had to do. And then, of course, um, being overseas, uh, it obviously amplified our ability to say, you know what, we can offer a lot of opportunities to our team as well. So mm-hmm. since then, the lessons that we've had yeah. is a number of this, our team. This, this, one of our teams actually moved to Sweden and she's still with us. Yeah. So of our corporate team. Mm-hmm. So she's working from Sweden. Well, it was funny because she rang us when we were overseas and she said, well, you know how you've got Team Greece? I'm thinking about, you know. Team Sweden. Her, her, parents, yeah. her parents live in Sweden. She had a baby yeah. and her parents haven't been able to see the baby yet. And she goes, I'm not sure how long I'm going to go for. It might be a few months. It might be a year. 
And yeah, that's Isabel and she's still working with us and it's worked mm -hmm. out really well. So it opened yeah, up I, our minds exactly. to think, yeah, this can be done. You know? Our onboarding manager. Mm. And, and like Maria said, if we hadn't have gone through that experience, I don't think mm. we would have offered that opportunity. So our one of our key personnel is our onboarding manager, Joe, um, and she wanted she's a lifestyle change to the Sunshine Coast from Melbourne. We're thinking, you know what? What a fantastic opportunity. It's She's really talented. She's been with our company for the last four years. The last thing we want to do is replace her and go through that process. And if it suits her, so when she asked for that opportunity, it was a great big tick. Yeah, we said, yeah, so, we didn't even have to think about it. No. Hmm. So I guess, I guess from a leadership point of view, the most important thing is making sure that, one, that you provide all the tools to your team. Hmm. Number two, that you have put the right people on board from a cultural point of view and they believe in your vision and then you don't have to micromanage them yeah. at all you gotta you gotta let them let them go and have that trust um and you know when people are performing when they're not performing yeah. and they've got to yeah. fall in love with your vision as well yeah and the thing is i think if we don't do this as an industry there's lots, so many industries outside of real estate now moving down this path absolutely and if we don't do it then we will yeah. lose good people to those other industries yes. unfortunately and and I, I see that happening now as the happening in businesses have who've become so rigid around this you can't work from home you have yeah. to be in the office we don't offer flexibility and they are starting to lose good people out yeah. of their businesses so i think it, it's important for us and nobody really knows what a hybrid world is going to look like because we're still working on that mm. but work on it we need to because if we don't then there'll be mass exodus i believe out of this industry yeah how do you think it will change leadership because one of the things a lot of people talk to me about is okay you know i have this global team now and, and talent is global now it's not just where your office is based so i have this global team how do i now manage it as a leader how does it impact my leadership um, in, in terms of how I work with the team. How, how do you think that's going to change? Yeah, and I think that's going to be our biggest challenge mm. uh, moving forward from a global point of view is that communication and that 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 personal contact. As much as we love Zoom uh, and so forth, mm. I think that's going to be the biggest challenge is how do we bring that human connection and actually feel that energy from each other. So um, I still think... We're going to need technology, but that we've all got to make that effort to have that human connection somewhere along the line. So from a logistics point of view, obviously getting together on quarterly meetings, getting together half yearly uh, from a global perspective, you've got to make those trips overseas. I think you have to, and anyone that has overseas teams, you've got to be meeting them at least once or twice per year. Yeah. or having some of your I'll, other teams. I'll put my hand up for that, for Grace. Yeah. So that's, of course, yeah. That's me doing so that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely glamorous to have overseas teams and, and so forth. But we've brought um, them here as well. Yeah, but we've brought them here. Yeah, so, this is before COVID, obviously, yeah. so we've mm. brought our team here. So, yeah, definitely. I don't think you're going to avoid that uh, meeting someone in person and, you know, as, as we say, breaking bread over dinner, over lunch, a few times. Little place, little place. Yeah, I don't think you need to do it every week. But certainly, you know, if you look at it from, you know, at least twice a year that you yeah. need to meet up face to face with these yeah. people. And I think they'll be happy with that too, because they don't want to be with you morning, noon and night anyway. No, no, they don't. Yeah. Maria, this is a question for you, because you know how passionate I am about women in business. How do we bring more women into leadership roles? Because our industry is um, 
failing at that, I believe. Um, we, we need more women in, in leadership roles. How do we do that? Oh, God, I don't know. I think uh, leading by example, I guess, and just uh, putting it out there that it, it can be done if that's what you want. I feel that there's a huge push, uh, you know, in regards to that for... Uh, I'm not sure if it's necessary, you know, because uh, I understand that, you know, um, women can, can be at different stages of their lives. So when you go through the stage of having kids and you know, um, maybe wanting to um, come home or stay home and take that time away. Obviously, that takes a few years away and then you have to, you know... Rebuild. Exactly. Um, I have the feeling that women absolutely love that. And this uh, equality and everything else that we're pushing is phenomenal. It's fantastic. I mean, I live in a home with three men so I've got my two boys and my husband and I'm the boss of the house that's not a problem at all right but there was times in my life that I was I really enjoyed sort of staying back and you know looking Mm. after my babies and you know when they were ready to to go to school I was there to go back out so I just feel that some people are you know that's in their plan to to be leaders and to do this leadership thing and some people are not. And I don't differentiate from men and women. It's just we're all people. You just got to find out again, going back to the individual and finding out what their goals and what their plans are. And do they want to do that leadership yeah. thing? You know, and if, it's and not if, for everyone. Yeah. Um, but how do you empower more of the ones that they do want to do that? I, I think it's just leading by example and just putting the stories out there that it can be done. You do need to have a good support yeah. system around mm-hmm. you because... Let's be honest, you know, there's still a lot of stuff that need to be juggled in the background, especially when you have family, um, that the guys might not do, you yeah. know. So it's it's yeah. a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I think good honey. He's amazing. He, I think I think you're right. I think it's it's working with the women who do want to step into the leadership positions. Yes. Yeah. And, and how do we um, sponsor them and open up yeah. the doors, but also for organisations to look around their table and say, you know, we need the diversity because with the diversity comes better businesses and better businesses. We actually decisions. bring different things to the table. Yeah, feel, 100%. You know? 100%. Um, yeah. We've yes. got a lot, if I look at our organisation from the corporate level, from our business administration, and then from out in the field. We have the, we, we have like... Heavily. heavily yeah like but that's because i'm driving there's there's you know? yeah and you know what a lot of people think when we go back to real estate sales and you and property management and you'll know this because you've interviewed so many people in your career um, you, women come to me for an interview and the automatic thing that they have to and this is mature women that come back into the industry um after having kids and the kids have gone to school they feel that they have to start in administration or property management yeah. They don't think that sales is something that they could do straight away because, you know, they have mm. kids. And and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, my God, it's actually the opposite. You know, yeah. sales actually gives you so much um, flexibility. Uh, freedom and, and flexibility, mm. yeah. And I, I yeah. think that's what we educate. It's just and we educating share, them. Yeah, education. Ed, ed, education, yeah. just that's sharing that information mm. and spreading the word. Say, mm. hey, sales is an absolutely, if you want to be in sales, an absolute fantastic um, career and work-life um, balance opportunity, especially when you have a young family or, you know, mm. you want to have that flexibility. I don't think there's anything that beats the flexibility of being a sales agent, yeah. um, especially if you structure yourself uh, as an EBU yeah. and you've got that support team. 
let's be truthful that that our industry is phenomenal because it provides so many opportunities in so many different aspects from administration prop management sales leadership um and career paths career paths so you can have someone starting training with you and you know moving on and and doing you know property management or opening up their own little Mm. business in property management and Mm. we're here to guide them to do that but yeah i think more education and really Showing like leading by example. and inspiring belief that they can do it. They yeah. can do it. Leading yeah. by example. Yeah, I like that. What's the future for Evu? Where do you see yourself in the next two to five years? Well, we, we, Manus's bigger audacious goal. Go. Uh, <laughs> one. Uh, an Evu group proud member in every single suburb of Australia. One thousand. So yeah, the goal number. is definitely a thousand. We're one thousand. One thousand offices. offices one thousand yeah. individual yeah. brands. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Around the country. Would you yeah, go right. off? Would you go offshore with that as well? Look, we've been approached to go overseas at this point in time, but we haven't um, explored that. And again, we've grown through partnerships and yeah. meeting people. So all our businesses that we've expanded into has been purely because we've met the right people, we've engaged with the right people, we've on the same page culturally, we've become very, very good friends, and then we've expanded the business mm-hmm. that way. So our growth has been more from recommendations and referrals and meeting people. So I think the overseas opportunity would come when a relationship um, like that uh, obviously happens as opposed to us actually searching for it. Mm. Um, but, yeah, a 1,000 offices. But from an, an administration point of view and a, a, a structure point of view, we'd love to see um, our ad, ad administration team go to a four-day work week. So we'll be working towards That's that one of our big goals, between yeah. the next 12 to 24 months. We are putting a corporate and a leadership team. Now it's recorded and it's out there. So. Yes. Yeah. So we have to do so, it <laughs> Our three pillars is support, profitability, and freedom. Mm-hmm. And, and those three pillars are what we aspire for our team to make sure that they're fully supported, that they're, they're profitable, both from a financial and from a time perspective and a learning perspective, having that professional learning, and also um, freedom um, to have that flexibility. And I believe um, our industry is ready, especially after COVID nineteen, to bring back a four day work week for our administrators because I think they're We're the actually un- super excited un- unsung heroes yeah. um, in our industry. I really do. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we I've done the same. I'm about to go to a nine day fortnight with one of my property managers. Yeah, you know, because she's she's doing the the time, doing the work in the time, and we've trialed it and it works. And so you know we'll. We'll put that into place. But I yeah. think, yeah, I agree. I think there are a lot of many hybrid situations that we can create. The old days of five days a week at 8, Nine, 5, five o'clock, five. gone. Yeah. I, th- I think they're gone. Yeah. yeah. And I think as an industry as well, one, one space that we all um, we need to look at is property management for principal place of residence. And I, I know a few people are dabbling in that, but I see that as a, a huge growth corridor. Yeah. and uh, an adjacent space to our traditional, you know, listing and selling and uh, property management. But I do believe that principal place of resident property management is going to be um, an mm. exciting space to watch. And mm. it may be later rather than sooner, but, you know, I think over the next two to five mm. years at least we'll see that, that mm. space expand. And, and I think um, the technology will really help yeah. Uh, facilitate that connect. I agree with you because they need the same services that we already provide to investors anyway. Yeah. And I think the technology piece will really help us bridge that gap. 
yeah. um, whether it's an app or a product of some sort, but we just need something to bridge that gap yeah. and, 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 and it'll happen. Yeah. Mm. Manos and Maria, thank you so much for your time. It has been an absolute delight speaking with you. Thank you for all that you do with the industry and all the best growing EVU and the brand to a thousand sites across the country. I'm excited to watch that happen. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for having us. And yeah, all the best for the rest of the year and beyond. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Please take a few moments to rate, review and subscribe to our podcast. Until next time, stay safe and stay connected.